Episode 210 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. The Adelphi Racing Club is a partnership in every sense of the word, not a syndicate, and our members are treated like partners, not investors. If you're interested in joining a group of like-minded individuals, like myself, and having a truly interactive ownership experience, we are the right fit for you. Adelphi offers a variety of partnership options, including yearlings, two-year-olds in training, private purchases, and claiming options. Join the club today. If you're watching live, you can see information on the bottom of the screen. And if you're listening, get in touch with racing manager Matt Cuter at the website adelphiracing.com or his email, matt at adelphiracing.com. And now let's start episode 210 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Good evening and welcome to episode 210 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight on a special show. We got a lot going on. We have a fantastic guest from FanDuel. We're going to be talking about Del Mar uh, stake races. And we're also going to be, of course, handicapping the late pick five cigar mile day this Saturday at Aqueduct. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Greatly appreciate that. Hit that notification bell as well. And then hit that thumbs up button. All of those things will help us here on the channel promote the HHH Racing Podcast. We'd really appreciate your support in doing that. Bottom of the screen, you can see on my name tag is my Twitter handle, at hkravitz. And also on the scroll at the bottom of the screen, you'll see in just a few seconds here, is my email, h. Kravitz horse at gmail.com. Feel free to contact me at any time. Uh, you can also listen to us, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Anchor as well. Subscribe to our Power Picks. Look below the video player for more information. Only $16 per month. That's only four bucks every Saturday. ROI, $2.50 or higher. We give spot plays, price plays, uh, ABC grids for you horizontal players out there. It's a great value. It makes for a fantastic holiday gift. Check out our Power Picks. And as well, you can find out about that on our website, hhhracingpodcast.com. We got so much to talk about. I don't want to waste any more time whatsoever. Let's get right to our co-host first from the East Coast of Maryland. We got Pete Visco from the Saratoga Special, Paul Halloran, and a fellow Chicagoan, Kyle Roscoe. Guys, how are we doing tonight? What's up, fellas? Big day, big day. Big day. Got a lot going on. Uh, I want to say I want to wait till all you guys were on screen. We got a fantastic response from our Tuesday show with Brittany Erden and Chad Brown. I just want to thank everyone again who watched our show. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, we This is our Thursday nights are traditionally our handicapping episodes, so that's what we're going to be fo- focusing on for the most part. Uh, tonight after our special guest from FanDuel 
uh, TV. Sean, how you doing? But again, thank you for all the positive responses from Tuesday night. Paul, I thought Chad Brown and Brittany were, were both excellent Tuesday night. Yes, and, you know, Chad Brown broke some news for those paying attention. Well, the obvious was, you know, Zandon was a probable in the cigar mile, but the entries were not drawn until the next day, he confirmed. But that show, Chad had told people that he he thought that they were going to scratch Jack Christopher, which is why he preemptively did it. To my knowledge, the other night was the first time that he said outright the vets told him they would scratch him. So... Not only are we entertaining people, we're breaking news here on the <laughs> HHH podcast. Hour. Yeah, absolutely. He was. He gave us a lot of great information, a lot of insight on. Do you bet the other Chad? Do you etc. We did a lot of really great handicapping uh, information. I thought that was great. Last thing I want to say before we bring on our guest, who is patiently waiting uh, backstage. You can see on the bottom of the screen, guys. We are live this Saturday, and the time is confirmed to put it out there on Twitter on YouTube. It's going to be two thirty to four o'clock Eastern standard time guys. We're covering three of the fantastic big races on cigar mile day at Naira. Hope everyone could check us out for our live show this Saturday uh, afternoon. Uh, it's going to be fantastic with some very good racing Penn state. Scott. Hello. We've got, uh, it's funny that he mentioned cigar time because this gentleman we're going to be bringing on, I think he has some opinions on cigars. In fact, we're going to ask him a question as I can see him backstage ready. Uh, so let's bring him on right now. He's anxiously uh, waiting. I've waited a long time to have this next guest on for just about 15 minutes for a very short visit. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him in person at the Breeders' Cup, and I was so excited to have him on. I'm so used to contacting people on the East Coast. I accidentally contacted this guy at six in the morning his time greatly apologize i probably woke him up maybe i should apologize to him to his face as they bring him on from fan tool tv a fellow chicagoan and always a chicagoan the one and only mike joyce mike how you doing tonight very tired howard very tired <laughs> it's actually it wasn't my wife that you it wasn't me that you woke up it was my wife and oh, uh, boy. i usually i usually turn the do not disturb off at six and it was like six away. It was like, ding, 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 ding. She's like, who is that? And I was like, I promise it's not my girlfriend. <laughs> that, That's good. I, I can't, I can't, I can't be sure. Mike, I apologize. I'm used to contacting people on the East Coast. It was like 8.15 at my workplace. Sorry about that, man. I appreciate no worries, it. No but, but he still came on. So it, uh, I appreciate that. Mike, we got a lot of quick things to talk to you about. I know you had a long day. Uh, we're going to have you on for about 15 minutes here. I always, as you know, I've had many people on from FanDuel. And we want to continue that tradition. I also also have some surprises that I like to good surprises. So I have two videos that I want to uh, show you, Mike. The first one is someone wants to say thank you, and it's one of your coworkers. And we had this person on on our show on Tuesday. So let me bring up this video. I believe there is sound already uh, available here. Let me make sure it's already. I am the editor, the producer. Okay, we're ready to go. This person wants to say thank you, Mike, for all the. Uh, wonderful things you've uh, helped her with earlier on uh, in her career. This was about 45 seconds, Mike, of Brittany Erton this past Tuesday. So I actually used to call Mike Joyce Yoda, and I was his Padawan learner. So when I started at TVP, he was kind of put to the task of training me, essentially. And so I shadowed him, carried his iPad, 
I would go through the entire form, uh, tell them which questions I was going to ask when I was down at Los Alamitos first reporting. And uh, he, it wasn't one thing in particular. Um, he loves to say that he didn't say anything nice to me for the first couple of years. So maybe that helped. Um, but no, he was always just directing me in the right way. Um, and I appreciate how tough he was on me. How about that, Mike? Pretty high praise from a fantastic that's true. It's true. I didn't say anything nice to her. It was for seven weeks. It was for all of Delmar <laughs> the whole summer. I didn't say one. I didn't say one thing nice to her. So um, that's true. She, but like that's the thing. It's like I get credit for her, you know, doing a great job. The only thing I had to do was just basically um, tell her the four or five things that she was going. Anybody would do wrong when they pick up a microphone and they go out there. But yeah, it was funny. And she called me. She says she calls me Yoda because like I was like her. Her, uh, her, her Jedi master, whatever. She called me Yoda because I'm old, right? <laughs> she, her and um, uh, Megan Carava was our production assistant. And those two would, like, I, I was basically, for the first part of the summer, I was reporting, and I was just telling Brittany, like, just take notes, like, figure it out. You know, she did, she had a good performance background because she was an, uh, a trained actress, but she had no television background. And even though her dad was a trainer, she was never, like, immersed in the sport. So she was learning the sport a little bit while learning the craft. So for the first few weeks, it was just sit back and, and watch me. And I would just, then she literally would hold the iPad. And that was one of the first things that I did tell her was when she was doing interviews, she was holding the iPad. I was like, the only part of the job you got is to get rid of the iPad. Like no one needs to see that. Don't hold notes. Like you, it's two minutes. You can remember what to say for two minutes. So that was it. But she, I mean, I can't, I can, I can take credit for about, you know, 1% of what she knows how to do now. Well, she was great, and you should absolutely take some credit. And we all need a mentor in our life, and we all need someone to help us out. So that was fantastic. Another person, uh, the last video I want to show you uh, was from these past um, breakfast, breakfast at the Breeders' Cup. And, Mike, I, I had the pleasure of meeting you, and I mentioned this to you. I don't know if you recall when I met you uh, the weekend of the Breeders' Cup. You were absolutely freaking hilarious during one particular segment. And I have to show about 45 seconds. So I'm going to show it right now. Perhaps Mike knows uh, to what I am referring as I bring it up on screen, guys. What I'm going to show everyone is uh, Mike had a segment with a very wonderful announcer on air talent, proper gentleman, Rishi Prasad, at the Breeders' Cup. And Mike, in this segment, was helping Rishi understand the culture of Kentucky at the track kitchen. Let's watch about 45 seconds of Mike Joyce and Rishi Prasad during Breeders' Cup week. Do we have sound there, guys? Can you hear that? No. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah. I was no. I was wondering why I'm getting no reaction. Hold on a second, guys. It was, uh, Hold on a second. I, I thought we were supposed up. to. I thought we were supposed to read lips for a little. Oh while. my goodness! I'm so sorry. Hold on. I a thought second, I was guys. the only one. I've got a three year old screaming in the background, so I just thought I couldn't hear because the microphone was bad. <laughs> oh my bad. My bad. My bad. Let's try it again, guys. Here we go. And I order. Now we're good. Yeah, there we hear go. that? Yeah. What you order, you order it, right? I, I want to help you. I don't want okay, you to have any go. more mispronunciations. Okay, so you're just going okay. to just just listen to what I say and then repeat it. Okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> That's all you have to do. This so is, this is risky. You're going to say, you know. this is what you're going to say. You're say, all right, pard, I need a hot brown, and I like that hotter than a Hemi in a drag race. So make sure you pile it on steamy. Well, I, you're going to have to say that again, Mike. Because so oh, say it again. We, okay. Say, hey, pard. Yeah. Hey, pard. I need a hot brown. Well, that's a good start. I need a hot brown. I need a hot brown. And I like it hotter than a hemi a- in a drag race. And I'd like it hotter than a hammy in a dra- drag race, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can you? <laughs> All right. Well, that, that, that went on for a while, Mike. Sorry, we didn't have the sound right away. Uh, the genesis of that idea, and were you just going off the cuff there? <laughs> um, so, so Rishi Prasad, for those of you who, who might not know, um, he, he is a much different breed of broadcaster than me in that he has some dignity. He um, covers Wimbledon. He covers the Masters. He does all sports. Um, he's one of the most well-known broadcasters in uh, in Great Britain for the BBC and now Channel Four or now ITV, I should say. And he, um, he he he's probably closer to he's much closer to uh, a Mike Tarico than I am to a Rishi Prasad. So first of all, it was great for him to play along. Uh, second of all, it was uh, Anna James, who is you've probably heard the name, but. She was a camera woman. She still is, but she she does everything. She's a field producer. She runs so much of what you see, like all that good stuff. It was her idea. She's like, all right, Mike, I want you to, we're going to have Rishi go order food. I want you to tell him how to speak like Kentucky. And she was going to give me like a list of things to say. And she wanted to, like, she had like different things, but it, it was all, everything that you heard me saying was just off the top of my head because I was just trying to make, and then Rishi was very, like, he was very good game to play on with it. He was hilarious. And then what you didn't hear right there was the girl behind the counter was straight out of central casting. You could she not, have had, you could not have had a better person. She's like, Oh, you're almost there, honey. I don't think you quite got it yet. I mean, it was just fantastic. And, and there are people, it goes on for a while, guys, everyone should check it out. You could watch it on the breeders cup uh, championship, you know, we- uh, website and you can go to their YouTube channel and check it out. Uh, Mike, it was gold comedy gold. I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, Mike, the, the last thing we want to get to uh, is one of uh, the segments that we enjoy to, uh, with our new guests, especially to learn a little bit about them. It is called 10 Minutes to Post. 10 Minutes to Post. Do it. Mike, Mike here we go. There's going to be 10 rapid-fire questions. You can answer them in you know, 10, 15 seconds real quick. We're just going to rotate around the uh, screen here. They might be horse racing. They might not. Are you ready for 10 Minutes to Post? You got it. All right, on the bottom of the screen, Mike, here we go. I got the first one. What was the first moment you fell in love with horse racing? Uh, John Henry in the 84 Arlington Million. I was, I think, seven years old at the time. I just turned seven. Uh, my dad was the guy who created the Arlington Million. And I don't remember 81 because I was barely three years old, four years old. But I do remember 84. So that's my earliest memory. Are we sure that he beat the Bart that year? In 81, uh, if you, in 81. I was at this. I was at the the Arlington, the last Arlington Million, 
and we took a picture in front of the statue. And even on the statue, the Bart's nose is in front. But just to feed, just to feed the conspiracy. There you go. Uh, Pete, you're next. All right. Are you a horizontal or vertical player? Both poorly. Yeah. Both. You, you fit right in with this crew. Then. <laughs> right. So I've, I've stopped chasing. Uh, I I've, I've basically don't play pick fours anymore. I chase the pick five, but I've stopped chasing pick fives exclusively. And I play more doubles and exactas and, you know, so, and tries. That's, that's basically 95% of my bets. Paul, next question. Your favorite track to attend as a fan, Mike, outside of California? Um, that's easy. Rio Doso Downs in Rio Doso, New Mexico. And for all of you uh, thoroughbred people, if you've never taken in a big fat slice of Americana known as the All-American Futurity, you are missing out. It is one of the greatest racing experiences in the world. I put it up there with the Breeders' Cup, with Dubai, with the championships at Royal Randwick in Australia, with anything we got. Wow. wow with, Roy, with Royal Randwick in Australia, I love it. Love it. Uh, and speaking of Australia, this might be the answer to your next question, Mike. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. Yep. I was going to say, it is a pretty um, common answer. Uh, what's a bucket list tracker race day event that you've never attended? So, yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone says Melbourne Cup, and that is it. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm going to scratch one off the bucket list this year, hopefully. I have never been to the Kentucky Derby. 45 years, I've never been to the Derby. And people outside of racing don't understand, but in racing, you get it. It's not that it's the biggest day of racing at Churchill. It's the biggest day of racing at every racetrack. So when I was younger and I was working, you know, for my dad and I was working at TOTBs, it was the huge day of racing. At TVG, you know, with the first several years we went, but I was a production assistant. Or I was like a low man or I was covering the quarter. So it was Todd and Simon and Frank Lyons and all the big names went. And I never did. So I've never been to the Derby. I'm hoping I get to go this year. There's a rumor that I might. Me and Christina Blacker have that same distinction. Neither one of us have ever been to a Kentucky Derby. Wow. I, I Actually, not either, Mike, believe it or not. But I'm going to be – I'd like to go soon. Uh, so that will be really cool for you. And, of course, Churchill's getting bigger and bigger every day if you pay attention to their construction. They got that new grandson on the first turn. It's – what are they going to have? 200,000, I bet, at some point, yeah. uh, the way they're going. Uh, Mike, I know you have a big interest in this. Best cigar brand. Bring so, it now. We've been waiting all night for this, Mike. Okay, so, I mean, obviously I'm going to say a Cohiba because the Cuban Cohibas are, are mind-blowingly good. I'm going to give you one, though, that is a little bit lo- not as well-known, and it's a Nicaraguan smoke, and they actually roll them in Miami. It's Tatuaje. They're a top-five cigar for me at all times. So I highly recommend tatuajes and you're not spending 50 to 100 bucks a stick like you are in a cohiba <laughs> wow okay so got you gotta gotta go latin american right with the with the cigars those are the best yep. ones for sure uh pete you got the next question here bring it up right here there you go pete by the way mike if you're yoda because you're old this top line of the screen here is like you know to, to yoda's father basically just to let you know so i just oh, wanted, make it easy just want to <laughs> let you know well you know maybe not father but you know older older uncle. brother that? That? yeah older right. uncle something like that all right. all right most exciting race you've witnessed in person i go back and forth on this because the most exciting race i saw in person was arrogates dubai world cup because there's no way he was going to win that race. The most exciting moment I've ever experienced was when Zenyatta won the Classic at Santa Anita in 2009. Um, so those were those were two of the, the most. I'd say the most exciting moment was Zenyatta, but the most impressive horse race I've ever seen, the most exciting was was the uh, the World Cup with, with Arrogate. Great answer. Paul, we got a few more questions left, Mike. Go ahead, Paul. Who are you most nervous or anxious to interview live on air? I assume this would be early in your career. 
Um, there were a few. I, I bumbled all over. Um, I, I interviewed. Oh, I can't remember her name. She was the playmate of the year, and she was out at Los Al. <laughs> I don't remember her name. But I was I was like twenty five. It was like when I was like the, the microphone was shaking. Uh. And then, um, but the last, I'll tell you what, the last racing person that I got nervous interviewing of all people was Kent DeSormo. And I, it, it hit me really? out of the I interviewed hundreds of jockeys, but it was the first time I'd interviewed him. And I'd probably been broadcasting for 10 years at that point. But I got like, I was like, oh, because I was such, a, it dawned on me, like I'd been such a huge fan of his for, for such a long time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm interviewing Kent. So it's kind of a weird one. Like, and I tell Kent that all the oh. time. I'm like, we're friends now. I'm like, but you were the last person I was like, actually nervous to interview. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, Kyle, we got a Chicago question for a uh, former slash fellow Chicagoan, Mike Joyce. All right. So who's your more beloved Chicago athlete in history? Is it Michael Jordan or would you go Walter Payton? So I'm going to say sweetness because I think he needs, I think he needs that love, right? Like I think Michael Jordan belongs to the world. Walter Payton belongs to us. Like Walter Mm -hmm. sweetness belongs to Chicago. So if it's the most beloved athlete ever, I'm, in my mind, that's Michael, but the most beloved Chicago athlete, I think Walter's exclusively Chicago. And I think the other thing is people forget how good he was. They yeah. really do. Unless you were a diehard Bears fan like us, people forget. I mean, he was some of his best runs were getting back to the line of scrimmage, and he never, ever went out of bounds, ever. No. He always initiated the hit. He always initiated contact. And Mike, earlier on in his career, the, the young guy there at the bottom wouldn't know this name, but you know this name. The, in his younger days, of course, he followed a Roland Harper uh, up the middle as, as his blocking back, who was actually a darn good football player in his own right. So, uh, yep. yeah, we all love sweetness. Over the top in the end zone. I still don't know why they don't do it anymore, Mike, because he always it was always effective. That's never stopped. That jumping over the end, you know, jumping at the end line. He has the hops, too, man. He would clear that line. He did. But he was he was a great athlete. Uh, two more questions, Mike. Again, really appreciate your time. This is mine. Which on-air talent gave you the best advice early in your career, and what was it? See, the funny thing is the way – and you can ask Dave Weaver. Like, Dave Weaver and I cut our teeth together. We kind of burst onto the air as production assistants. And the way TVG was in the early days, if you guys um, remember, it was ruthless. Like, we would cut each other down on the air. Like, we would – we could never get away with that anymore because um, – First of all, I think social media would just pull those clips and we would just get eviscerated by the public. But we used to be really, really mean to one another. So I don't think it was any advice. I think it was just learning how to broadcast in this. You have to stay on your feet. You've got to be ready. Like shots are coming. Um, nothing. And like we would try to make each other look bad, which is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. But, you know, Todd and, you know, Chris Harrison was on your host back in the day. Um, me, Dave. Like we were, we were evil to one another. Matt Carruthers and 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 Ken Rudolph, they're much nicer now, but they could really, they could really take a shot at you. I mean, it was it was brutal out there, and I think that was the best thing because now it really demystifies television. Now, when I go out there, there's nothing bad that can happen. I mean, you know, it's like like what could there's no there's no way you could get worse than what we used to do to each other. <laughs> well, yeah, now you're prepared for anything, so that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Mike, last question. This is uh, from Pete. All right. FanDuel colleague you'd most want next to you in a bar fight? <laughs> I don't know. They're all pretty soft. Um, <laughs> I'm the only one that I think has any fighting in the background because I was a bouncer in college. Um, and then I have six older brothers, so I used to – I can get my ass kicked with the best of them. Um, <laughs> uh, colleague I'd most want in a bar fight. Maybe someone who'd be most annoying and they'd hit them instead of you. How's that? 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a bad angle, Pete. <laughs> I would say I would say Ken Rudolph because he was in the army, so he's he's got military training. Oh wow. That'll work. Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. We'd love to have you on, you know, when you're less tired, not have such a busy day and handicaps and races. Cause you get, we got big races this weekend, of course, at Del Mar and there, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be, you know, covering that. I'm assuming you'll be on air this weekend as part of the Del Mar coverage. Yeah, I'll be doing the, I'm usually doing the first half of the card. So I'll catch the, uh, stakes races at Aqueduct and I'll probably do the first half of the card at Del Mar. Uh, don't quote me on that. It can change day to day, but that's what it looks like right now. Terrific. Uh, Mike Joyce, we really do appreciate you coming on, man, and hope you enjoyed your short time here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we hope to see you again soon. Hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Take care, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Have a great night. Bye-bye, Bye. Mike. All right, guys. Mike Joyce, there you go, from FanDuel. We love the people of FanDuel. Really appreciate Mike coming on, because I know we had a long day, guys. And it's not easy to come on after a broadcasting day. So, uh, listen, we all know about long days working. So, he's he's a great sense of humor. You know, I don't know if, how many people out there watch FanDuel or Fox or whatever, but he really uh, not only is he an excellent uh, reporter and handicapper and on-air guy, but he's a great sense of humor, as you guys can tell. So, we enjoy having him on. All right, here's the plan now, guys. We are going to, those of you watching, uh, we are now or listening. We're going to get into our handicapping segment. We're going to very briefly, guys, and I mean very briefly, there are two stakes on Saturday at Del Mar. They've got a huge weekend. They've got big stakes on Sunday also on the turf. I'm not even going to show the PP guys, PPs, gentlemen. I'm just going to show the Equibase here. Let me go ahead and switch a few things around here. Um, this is the – didn't want to remove that. I actually wanted to bring it up. Hold on one second. I'm going to bring up the uh, Equibase entries for the Jimmy Durante. This is the, one of two – stakes that they have guys on saturday this particular one is race seven um it's a grade three it's on a mile on turf two-year-old fillies real quick whip around just who you like and why pete bisco so real quick i, I sort of landed on the two quickly park it a little bit of a little bit of a price a couple reasons was i just like this one you know two for two at the distance especially the two for two once they put this horse on the turf and then i like the inside post so the the two hole is is winning at about a 20% clip and the best horses, as far as the odds go, I should say the lowest odds horses are both on the outside. The the 10 and the 11 are, are two. And actually the nine is pretty low as well. And the outside posts at this configuration just aren't that good generally and have a very low winning percentage. So figure, even though they look a little bit better, maybe on paper, especially the Brown Pratt horse, you know, maybe the outside post will compromise them a bit and we can get a price on the inside. I like it. Paul? I will go with the East Coast horse going west to the surprise of no one. That would be number 11, Liguria. I believe Mr. Brown mentioned that horse the other night, Professor Kravitz. He, uh, he uh, uh, shared the plane with uh, Regal Glory, apparently. And I am going with the uh, horse coming from the other direction, the horse coming from Europe, who I almost picked on top. Decorated my life, uh, I think, as a decent shot to, to be around at a price. Mm, bravo, bravo and Simon Callahan. Kyle? Yeah, I didn't get too creative here either. I went, like Paul says, again, to the surprise of no one, took the took the Chad Brown coming west. Just this horse's uh, maiden race was extremely impressive to me going at the distance. I think the extra bit of distance will only help this horse. And, again, uh, best is yet to be is my second choice as well for D'Amato and Rispoli. Just, I'm not trying to get too cute here. I think, um, as long as the post holds up, I think these two can be really are going to be really dangerous. 
Guys, I'm not getting creative. I like Liguria also. We're not going to show the replay. I encourage people to watch the replay. Pratt's going to have to navigate the outside post, as you mentioned uh, very eloquently, Pete. But she closed real well. It's a Chad Brown. These West Coast horses, guys, just don't do it for me on turf. They almost never do it for me unless it's an extreme circumstance. I don't know if we're even going to get three to one. I wouldn't take anything less than five to two, though, guys, on Liguria. It's not like she Mm -hmm. towers over the field. But these horses just – that Chad sends out there and just does really well. So I'm going to go with the 11 as well. The other race, and this is a, 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 a bigger field and a bigger purse. It's the Hollywood Derby. This is a grade one. So everyone check it out. 4.30 Pacific Coast time. They're going a mile and an eighth. A lot of very good races. Horses have won this race. I believe domestic spending won this, right, last year? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I believe domestic spending won this last year. They're going on turf. I'll reverse it. Kyle, who do you like in the Hollywood Derby on Saturday? Again, Kyle likes the chalk. Surprise, surprise. But I'm going to go with the nine. I'm going to go with Wit. <laughs> wow. I, I just okay. – the two races back, I think the horse does I, – I, I don't know. I think this horse can get better with distance. I mean – Two back was really fast pace up front at Saratoga at the mile in the non-graded stake. I really like that run, just being able to move early whenever this horse. Pratt's going to find, I think, a good trip with this horse. Gonna ho- I won't take anything less than probably three to one on this horse as a betting interest, at least, because there is a lot of other ones. I like the three. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know who everyone else has, but I really like the three Celestial City last time out. And I think the distance is really what suits this horse the best. So I'm going to go nine, three in whichever way uh, Howard likes back wheel, but whichever way, you know, I think those two horses are going to be tough. Hey, Kyle, that, that nine, the one interesting thing was nobody else in the race had run a 90 buyer and Witt mm-hmm. had done it in all three turf races. So I thought that was just interesting enough to see on in terms of figures. No, completely true. And I mean, like I said, I think this horse just gets a really nice trip, probably mid-pack, hopefully can navigate from a little bit of an outside post. And just hopefully, I mean, it's Pratt and Pletcher, so hopefully it doesn't get bit down, bet down too ridiculous, but we'll see come post time. Paul? Well, Witt is an interesting horse, uh, briefly. He debuted on Belmont Stakes Day in 21. I was there. It was the first race of the day, 11.30 a.m. Only the hardy are there at that hour, Howard, as you know. Um and this horse was one of those, you know, the next fastest horse ever. Horses uh, went off, as you could see, at uh, whatever that is, two to five. Uh, absolutely walked out of the gate and won the race. Came back and won the Sanford. And they had very much had derby dreams for this horse. And then he just kind of leveled off. And uh, he ended up coming off the trail. Uh, Chad, um, pardon me, Todd cut him back this year in the Woody Stevens uh, he did not run well. And interestingly, he put him on turf. I, I wasn't a big fan of the move, but he ran very well in the Hall of Fame. He won the the restricted stakes. And that race last time at Keeneland, you know, Belnikoff had won the Oceanside on opening day. Billy Cautious horse looked like this horse was a winner. I didn't really like Wit in that race, but I thought he ran a really good race. And I, I think that I am going to be – I'm not sure who's going to win. But I think I'm going to be box uh, a rare exact a box of just three and nine, and I'm not going to punch it once. Wow! Okay, I I'm love like... I love three nine or nine three in this race. Love. Beautiful. I love taking a stand, Pete. Who do you have in this race? 
I have, if I remember, one of our, one of our favorites from some some past podcasts, and that's the four handy dandy mm-hmm. trying to go with a little price here. And and again, this is one where uh, the, the last two, I mean, two back, this poor horse was stuck on the rail. Recently, I didn't love the ride, but was really just shifting this horse around, trying to get through a wall of horses. And then last time, broke through the gate pre-race, which usually leads to an, and not as good of a performance. And then this horse still rolls by and beat what, how many, I think four or five of the other, four of the other horses in this race. So it wasn't like it beat junk. It beat a bunch of good horses. So I just always had a soft spot for this one monster closer. I think there's enough speed in here potentially to hopefully set it up for this one to come off the pace at a nice price. Beautiful. Um, I'm going with Celestial City, guys. I don't like Cabo Spirit. I know we won last time. Again, I want the fresh face. Um, he's he's raced well. Um, Wits, boy, I didn't think he could necessarily get a mile, guys. Now we're going to ask him to go a mile and eighth. I'm completely against this horse. I know I've mentioned I like horses coming from it east. I just, I don't know. He's going to have to prove it to me at a low price. No, thank you. And I've bet him before, you know, at, at a some semi-lower price going a mile. I have huge concerns about Wit getting a mile and eighth, but we'll see. Um, I'm going with the number three, Celestial City. All right, guys. They also, like I said, they have two stake races um, on uh, Sunday as well, but we're not going to cover those. Let's get to the pick five. I know a lot of people are waiting at uh, Aqueduct. Uh, it's Cigar Mile Day. It's always it's the biggest day of the year at the end of the year. They always have a fantastic sequence. We're going to jump uh, right in here to the pick five let me go ahead and do some switching here um pete i'm just let you comment real quick because i'm doing some switching some buttons yeah we always should not expect big fields at this time of the year but i thought the quality of some of these races other than the cigar mile were actually pretty good no this is a really good sequence i mean i was thinking of that going through the fields are a decent size the only issue i had with the sequence was it has the potential to really come out pretty chalky And that would kind of suck. And we hate when we have like a decent day like this and it winds up chalking out. And if you have a pick five, you you either have to be really tight with your picks, which we'll talk about later or, and sort of bang it with a, with a high denomination or hope that you can come up with a long shot. But unfortunately this one looks like there's a couple that are pretty strong, but I do think it's fun. There's some good horses. I really like a couple of these races. So I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, And the first leg of the pick five, we got four stakes, uh, all these stake races are in the pick five. Race six is the Demoiselle. It's a grade two. It's going to be at about 2.15 Eastern Standard Time. Of course, this is for two-year-old fillies. They're going a mile and eighth, guys. This is something we need to talk about. Asking these two-year-olds to, to go nine panels is definitely going to be an issue here for some of them. This is a field of seven. Let me go ahead and bring up. There's our scroll at the bottom of the screen. Pete, we're going to have you go first here. Uh, we are actually all, I believe, going with the same horse one of those horses that probably will be a big favorite in the sequence that's number three julia shining how about three to five mm-hmm. in the morning line for pletcher and Saez and stone street stables and as you talk i'm going to show the replay because we got to show the replay of <laughs> uh, her very impressive maiden breaker at keeneland yeah, it was a, it was definitely a, it was definitely strange when you were watching because I hadn't watched the replay. I hadn't watched this race until I watched the replay She's for handicapping everywhere. here. Yeah, I was like, man, this horse actually <laughs> wins this race going away because it didn't look like that when you're watching it come around, come down the lane. But we'll yeah. we'll get there in a second. But 
Paul, I know you like the I know you like the fact that this one's out of Curlin and it's out of an AP Indy mayor, Jimmy of Julia, who was really good herself. So I don't think the distance should be a problem for this horse. And now if you're watching, yeah, go ahead. You see the four. Kind of climbing, he's climbing, climbing stairs. I mean, it's unbelievable off the screen right now. And then and just look completely uncomfortable. I mean, it's a debut, so you never know what a horse is going to do. And now just starts, you know, working her way back into the back into the fray a bit. And then as we'll see, she's under a ride here, Pete, yeah. which is, yeah, I mean, there, what, yeah, what, what, yeah. Saez is not afraid to put the horse under a ride early, boy. No, no. And I, I wonder too, though, Paul, if you know, you have yeah, just, a ton of horse under you, you can maybe do that a little bit more where you're maybe not afraid, but look at that sweeping. What is that about? God, that's about what? Six, well, seven and six and a half wide. Yeah. And then just sort of blows by him. Go ahead, Paul. You, you, say you talked about the breeding, Pete. This is a full system of Melathan. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes, so yes, yes, so, yes. I forgot about hence, that. Yes. Hence, the mile and an eighth maybe not as concerning. No, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not concerning at all. I mean, look at that stride at the end. I mean, it's not even that super long stride. She looks pretty big. I mean, I'm not a great yeah. judge of the size of horses, but she looks pretty big and just like Malathat, I guess. I mean, the way she was reaching out, Paul, distance is definitely not going to be a problem. She does have to go two turns for the first time. My issue, uh, Paul, is that it's just not a great field of horses for her to beat. Yeah, and I, and I think you're going to see her involved a little a little sooner. You know, that, that was her first out. You know, you, you don't know, you know, what type of a gate horse uh, she was and, and how prepared. And, you know, I, I remember that race specifically. I was watching Pete and I, I'm not sure if I bet it or not, but I, I remember thinking, boy, this is a good race to beat the favorite the way this is going. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, so many times with first time starters, guys, you know, they get that type of a, uh, uh, behind and you know the jocks like okay we're gonna get a run here get a run and uh, you know we'll finish a, a nice fifth and we'll live to fight another day but not with this horse and uh you know i guess with a stone street homebred you're not looking just to settle for fifth uh, <laughs> barbara's not interested in fifth but uh no. yeah again it, the two turns howard is is a valid point although if you look at the field I mean, the one went two turns at Parks. The four went two turns at Saratoga. However, it was on the turf, and that's the extent of the two-turn experience in the race. So, um, you know, it's not like she's going up against, you know, other two-year-olds who have done, you know, someone coming off the, you know, Breeders' Cup filly and uh, uh, juvenile fillies or anything like that. So she's going to be a tough beat. Yeah, I just showed the uh... – Kyle, here's the breeding, and here's dreaming of, of Julia, who ran, uh, you know, just probably a little bit before you started watching horse mm -hmm. racing. I mean, look at grade one, grade one, grade two, distance, distance. Again, yep. half, uh, full to mouth uh, I it, If she breaks, I think she probably wins this race, Kyle. And that, and that horse, that horse she ran by and beat came out and won broke her maiden next out with like an, with an 80 yeah. buyer or so. So, you know, uh, the rest of the field didn't look that good, but I think at yeah, least, yeah. you know, ran down a decent horse there. There it is right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I've got the one in second guys. We're going to move on to the next race here. I got the, I'm the only one that looks like that has the one for one reason. And one reason only guys, uh, have we ever seen a horse wire a field in a slow pace? I mean, I don't think the one is nearly as good and I don't expect it, but it is Paco who did upset with a 16 to one winner last week, last, uh, I believe at the discovery last Sunday, 
uh, when he beat me when I had a horse that I liked in the in the Hawthorne contest. So foggy night, I don't know, maybe, but it looks like uh, this is all about dreaming. Uh, or excuse me, Julia Shining, who could be just about anything, guys, and a real. I don't think it's too early to say a serious Kentucky Oaks prospect, especially if she continues to progress in the way that uh, we expect her to. Race seven, guys. Let's go on to the next race. Race seven is, of course, another stake. As I go ahead and switch it over right now here. There it is. Let me go full screen. Race seven. This is the Remsen. This is the boys' version. This is about 2.45 Eastern Standard Time. They're also going a mile and eighth. A relatively small field of seven. The morning line favorite is the number two, Tuskegee Airmen. Great name. Wonderful historical name for all you history buffs out there. For Service and Saez and Paul, you are going to go with this horse. I look at the screen. We all, again, are just yeah. chalking out here. Chalking it Better up. For Tuskegee Airmen, yeah. Paul. A lot, a lot of people shifted to the football game. No, uh, no, no, no. Don't tell them that. <laughs> no, well, you know, again, and, and you may, on this one, Howard, you know, there is, because the horse is coming in from Parks in Delaware, I, I don't know that he's going to go much lower than that. You know, this is the Fleet Alex people, Cassius King. Um, you know, they paid a decent amount for this horse, 290 yeah. Um You know, seven furlongs on uh, – Pennsylvania Derby Day, so I have the distinction. I can tell you I did see this horse run live. He won the opener at Pox on Pennsylvania Derby Day. Very impressively, I might add. Um, And then, you know, came back with a stake at Delaware, and John Service is now, you know, going into the deep end. Uh, This is the Delaware race you're putting on. Um, This race was weird, though, because you see Tuskegee Airmen, I know we all watch it, I'm assuming, was in between horses and asking – and then Paul, he sort of gets shuffled and steadied back. And even the announcer said, like, oh, Tuskegee Airman's in trouble or whatever. And he just yeah. he just regains yeah, his right. momentum and blows it, by the field and stretch. You're right. It was an odd trip because when you started the video, you know, it's an, it was a five-horse field, but four of them were all within, like, a half a length of each other. And he was on the rail. Then he shifted in between. Now these horses pull away from him, and you're thinking – Okay, you know, he's done, as you said. It looks like he's done. And, you know, I don't know what the, you know, if the rail was the place to be that day, but certainly he made it look like the rail was the place to be because he just has a steady drive up the rail. And now, once he gets the lead, you'll see, forget about it. So, uh, again, you would think the distance would be absolutely no issue uh, with this sauce. That was a mile. And, uh, you know, he's bumping up to a mile and an eighth. But, yeah, I thought that was not the easiest trip in the world, Howard. I agree with you. And I, and I think, uh, y- y- you know, and again, he comes in a town. Saez rode him on Pennsylvania Derby Day. So he get, not only does he get Saez, but Saez has experience with them. You know. Yeah. Kyle, there's again. also enough speed. And, again, this two-turn experience I think is important. When you go down, Kyle, again, there are not – I don't think actually – the, the five who was actually in that race we just watched has two-turn experience. No one else, Kyle, has two-turn experience. I think that's a big factor in these races, personally. I absolutely agree, especially with these with these types of two-year-olds where, you know, there's only – they got one race, two race, three races under their belt, and all of a sudden now they're doing something completely different. I, I agree with you. It completely makes a difference. And like I said to you before this – I said this to you before the show, like you said while you're watching it, that was such a goofy replay. Like that horse was fully being asked – 
and dropping back. And then all of a sudden just re-breaks completely at the top of the stretch. I mean, you can make with that, make uh, whatever you want is uh, you will with that replay. But I thought, you know, like Paul said, it's not the easiest trip. Impressive two turn experience. I'm, I'm going to be on this horse. Hopefully, like Paul said, seeing that Delaware form doesn't go much less than hopefully like nine to five or so. Um, especially with the four winning at Aqueduct by four and a half and, and a restricted stake in his last as well. The other thing, guys, look look at the breeding. Look at the damn oh. side. The mm-hmm. Grand Dam teammate was a big-time – look at this. Big-time yeah. two-turn horse. There's a lot of breeding, Paul, especially on the damn side to go long. Uh, you know, Bedazzle was more of a sprinter. That's the only real sprinty part of the pedigree here. I mean, you never know. Listen, it's early December, Paul, but I, I'm I'm intrigued with this horse. This – this could be something for next spring, I think, Paul. I wouldn't discount this horse going forward, especially if he runs well uh, Saturday. Yeah, and having said that, you know, a, a trip like that on Saturday might be a little more difficult to to navigate because, yeah. you know, no no disrespect to the rocky run stakes at Delaware, but, you know, uh, it, it's going to be harder to pull that off in New York. As Kyle said, you know, you, know, you look at that race, and if you played that horse at one to two, you are cursing as they're coming around the fat turn, saying, "What the hell was I thinking yeah. about?" You know. So, yeah, I, but yeah, hey, I'll tell you, wouldn't we love to see John Service get another horse in the spring? I can go get my Smarty Jones hat in a minute. One minute. I I, th- I think it'd be pretty cool, guys. Let's go on to the next race. This I thought this might be the toughest race of the sequence, actually, of this pick five. This is the go for one. As I go ahead and bring it on screen, uh, Pete will have you start first. It's race eight. Uh, they're going a mile, so it's a flat mile, guys. A one turn, one turn mile, two hundred thousand dollars. Older fillies and mares, uh, or excuse me, three year olds and up, uh, but they're mainly older. I don't think we have any three year olds. No, this is a field of eleven, Pete. I found this race to be pretty tricky. Let me go ahead and switch the screen. Now you see our picks on the bottom. Uh, Pete and Kyle are thinking alike. They are both going with the seven. They made an appointment with Doctor B. With Reed and Irad, what do you like about this horse, Pete? Well, you you mentioned one thing: picking up picking up Irad never hurts, especially nothing against Trevor McCarthy or Pennington. But I like picking up Irad, especially with a horse that looks like it could be pretty tactical. And I, I like that this one in 2022. You know, in in last year was pretty good, solid, hit the board a bunch of times, but didn't do as well in some of the stakes races. But came back this year and has just been looks like it's been improving almost every race, and even the losses. I mean, you see that lost four back to Goodnight Olive. And and, you know, wasn't that far off. And Oksana's not a bad horse, two back, and that was in the slop. But I think this one's just getting better. Popped a lifetime buyer top last time out. Has the best time form early pace, but doesn't need the lead, which I like. So has the speed to be tactical and be put in a good position. The only thing I didn't like was on the damn side is 0 for 11 in wins uh, in dirt routes. So stretching this one out for the first time, we'll see if that, is the only negative. Kyle, you, you picked this one too. What would you like about it? Yeah. I mean, really, like you said, I mean, picking up Irad, hopefully like we know it doesn't hurt the price too much on this horse, but yeah, um, yeah. I Good just, luck. yeah, I know. <laughs> Good luck. But um, I just think this horse, just watching this horse's replays, I think this horse, especially off the last one, the, the last two, I think this horse is going to get better with the extra furlong. I think that, um, and obviously Irad's going to put him in a good position, put her, her in a good position. Oh, oh. I think I fixed it. Damn it. Uh, but 
I think I think this horse just gets a good position. Like you said, Pete, it has a really nice early pace form, but it does not need the lead, which I do like that it's that she's gonna be really tactical. And like I said, I think the extra furlong's gonna only help her. Uh lost to good good night olive, by the way, four back, pretty decent horse. Uh obviously won the three years cup. Um Paul, you're gonna go with the ten, who is a horse that looks like everyone except me has in there. I, I'm going off the reservation apparently. Uh Bank Sting. How do I know, Paul? Going with the New York Brad. I mean, do we even are we even surprised? But this turnover trained horse for Rosario is pretty damn good. Has won over six hundred thousand, Paul. Yeah, and and you know, has look at has run outside of the New York Bread Company and won a listed stakes and you know, you search results, Royal Flag and uh Lady Rocket uh yeah. running fourth to the you know, uh, not close, but still uh horse for course. Distance right on target here, uh, three for five at the distance. You know, this is a McMahon homebred. Um, you know, they they probably sell more than they keep. Uh, central banker, uh, which I actually own a very small piece of a central banker these days, oh, Howard. Uh, nice. <laughs> yes, with uh, Mr. Piazza. Uh, central banker has proven to be a very good sire, especially in the New York bread circuit. And, uh, you know, uh, Rosario uh, has been on this horse. And, you know, I guess you go back to the Empire Distaff last year in the fall in the slop. If you want to call that a bad race, I don't call the fourth in a grade two a bad race which means that there really aren't many bad races on the page. I, I think this horse, uh, I would love to see four to one on this horse. Uh, she's a very honest horse. She runs very well. Guys, I had a tough, I, this was tough for me, to be honest. I'm going to take a shot with another horse that's stretching out. I'm going to go with Linda and Betsy Blue, uh, the eight for Liscano. I, I think she's tactical, guys. She's very consistent. There's really no killers in here. Um, she was right there with Bankstein. Uh, we're not going to take the time to watch the replay, Paul. But I really don't. I see no reason why she can't run well here. She's been mainly in. She's been New York bred, but she's been a lot of her race have been an open company. She looks like she's getting really good. The one three back against uh, Brattle House was a huge effort. I don't know. I'm taking a swing with her. I don't have a real strong opinion in this race, to be honest, guys. This is uh, Pete. This is a big time spread for me uh, in the pick five. Would you agree with that? Me too. I think I went, I think on the ticket we'll show later, I think I might've went five deep, including, including your eight here. I, I kind of liked, I kind of liked the eight for the same reasons you talked to. And then that one actually looks to be there's a lot of blue on there. So it always seems to be chasing a slow pace. And I feel like in this one, there's enough good horses where I think you can get a little bit more pace. So I, I kind of like this one as well. And yeah, I'm with you. I think this one's a throw them all in a hat and see which one you could pick out of it. Yeah. Well, no love for the Illinois bread, for the Illinois guys. We got two I, Illinois I, I've guys got, on the I've got WW in the mix, Kyle. Yeah. I'm using her as a, let me see, as a, uh, actually, I've got her as an A, guys. I think um, I put her I in my four right. in there. Yeah, I've got the four and third. Yeah. I think I put All my, right. I think I put her. Uh, All right, just want to make sure. <laughs> just want to make sure. Oh, we want to win races. We, we're we loyal, <laughs> but we're more loyal to our pocketbooks <laughs> than our state. So, uh, you know, that's what we're going to do. Uh Guys, the Cigar Mile. Uh, and Bittersweet likes uh, Battle Bling, another horse who went. The Cigar Mile. Uh, there's been some very famous Cigar Miles over the years. Uh, it's fair to say this is not the best rendition, guys. It is what it is, but there is one, <clears throat> actually two very good horses, I would say, that are more well-known. I put it on the uh, thumbnail. And I think it's fair to say this is a bit going to be a battle between the very 
uh, excellent Chad Brown trained Zandon, the three-year-old, and Mind Control, who, Paul, I think this is his last race of it his is. career. Is that correct, Paul? That is absolutely so is, correct. That's a, a fascinating story here. Let me go to the uh, Equibase entries here. It's going to be at about 343. It's the last race also, guys, that we'll be showing live on Saturday. So, again, check us out on Saturday for our live uh, podcast. It goes as race nine, three quarters of a million dollars. They're going that same flat mile. They're going in the Gopher Wand. There's the field of seven. Let me switch over to the screen. Paul, I'm going to let you go first. You're going to go with Zanin, who is even money for Chad Brown and Rosario. And as you talk about this horse, Paul, I don't want to bring up the replay from Tuesday's show, but you can briefly talk about what Chad said about Zandon and also what he might do with Zandon going forward, Paul, because I think that could be a fascinating story here as well. Yeah, I, I asked him, you know, if, if he thought that, you know, he kind of deserved – he does have a grade one. You know, he, he won the Bluegrass this year. But, you know, coming off four really good efforts that he just couldn't get it done, third in the Derby to the Immortal Rich Strike – uh, second to Epicenter in the Jim Dandy, <clears throat> third in the Travis, ran a very creditable race in the Pennsylvania Derby. When uh, coming from that far behind, he was really against the uh, the, the profile that day. Um, I just think it's his day. Uh, so what Chad said was, you know, he, he kind of agreed. He'd love to see the horse win, and he kind of indicated that. Uh, based on how this goes, you might just keep him in training for the Pegasus, right, Howard? That's what he said. Uh, what three, he million, said. Three, three million dollar race. He's not expecting it to be a killer field. And, you know, this horse has had three layoffs. So he's run eight times, six this year, which is a full calendar. And the Pegasus would be what in about six, seven about weeks, Howard? Yeah, about seven weeks, yep. So that will be that will be interesting to see uh, if if that occurs. You know, hey, look, I, I'm still trying to cash my Derby bet. You know, when he, when he swept when he swept wide on the turn, and I I fully thought he was a winner. And then you know, once he didn't go by Epicenter, he didn't go by Epicenter, and you know whatever happened after that. But uh, you know, three triple digit buyers in a row. How you mentioned it, it, it isn't the best. Uh, rendition. I just looked up 10 years ago in this race in a very short field, but the winning exacto was Stay Thirsty over Groupie Doll, okay? Wow. So, uh, and, and Groupie Doll as a female would be the favorite in this race, in my opinion. <clears throat> so it's, uh, I just think it's, you know, I don't mean to be eating a full load of truck tonight, but I liked this horse when it was a 10-horse field, an 8-horse field, and I'm certainly going to like him. It's a 6-horse field. People should know that Obezos is scratched. Obezos got tied up in that Churchill uh, herpes quarantine and unfortunately was halfway to New York when they got the call saying he was not going to be able to run. So uh, it is a 6-horse field. Kyle, are you concerned? You have Zanon on top. Are you concerned at all of the pace situation? Zanon is a closer. I'm not a deep closer, but, you know, uh, the turnback might work great, but I would not be surprised if Rosario gets him a little more into the game because there's not a lot of early speed in this race, Kyle. That would be my main concern for the Zandon fans out there. I agree completely. Um, and obviously, so we saw when I was looking at this, we saw White Abario in this last race in the Pennsylvania Derby try out something new to try and go for it. So I think he's – and he ran a pretty decent race. Obviously, finishing behind Taba, Zandon, and Cyberknife is nothing. Granted, he did fade pretty well, but 
you know, from what he's done in his most recent races compared to that point, it definitely wasn't a bad result for them. I think um, the six is probably going to be up close, and then mind control is definitely going to be going. So, I, like I said, it definitely is a little bit of a concern. I'm hoping that he runs more to his Jim Dandy, putting him in a race a little bit more. But um, it definitely is a well-taken concern for this horse. Pete, you're going with the old boy in this race, the six-year-old mind control, who I think, you know, frankly, Pete, in the last, you know, three or four years, probably one of the more unheralded, underrated horses that we've seen in a while. I mean, he's won 1.7 million. Fletcher's done a great job with him. He's been a bit up and down, a bit inconsistent throughout his career. But when he fires, Pete, he fires, and his aqueduct record, as I'm sure you're going to bring up, is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. This one, he seems to go in fits and starts where sometimes he just gets on a roll, and he's really good for a few races, and then he tails off a bit, and and then he he comes back again. But, I, yeah, he's seven out of seven in the money at aqueduct with four wins. He loves the mile, four out of five wins there. I mean, if you look, three back, he beats he beat Hot Rod Charlie at the mile, then he stretched out in the Charlestown Classic. And I think that's just not that's not his game going going a mile and an eighth. And then he came back in the last one and I, I didn't know he got placed first, but it wasn't a bad race. Still popped a hundred buyer. So I think he still looks to be in form for his last race. Plus, he's just a horse that I've always liked. I had one of my biggest single race hits on him when he won over Hog Creek Hustle a while back. And they were the Jerkins. Yeah, the Jerkins, Jerkins, right? Yeah. I was at it, Pete. I think we talked about that one on here. That was one of my that was one of my biggest single race hits ever. So (laughs) I always had a soft spot for him. And I think what you talked about it a little bit, Howard, where I think if White Abario, like Carl Kyle said, goes to the lead, who I don't think is the best horse outside sometimes at a Gulfstream, I think mind control can sit right off that horse and maybe just get to jump on Zandon if Zandon isn't as close as maybe we think he might be this time. And again, Zandon just has had a hard time finishing races off. So um, first time against older, maybe he can't finish off the way, you know, he hasn't done it yet. So maybe you want to pay to see it, especially at that price. I like to play against it. Yeah. Um, My opinion uh, for what it's worth, guys, I'm going a different direction here. Um, Zandon is, by far the horse to beat and if Zandon wins this by three or four lengths and explodes cutting back I don't think any of us would be shocked I've never been a, f- a big fan of White Barrio let me just get that out right now even when he won in you know the Florida Derby I didn't have him that day and he was you know 2.9 to 1 and I just I've never something about this horse I've never loved there's two things I like a lot about him on Saturday quite a bit guys number one the switch to Irad I know that lowers his price but Irad's going to give this horse a great trip one way or the other. The other thing is there's not a lot of speed. And I think Irad is going to break aggressively and look to his right and make a decision. If the sixth or mind control wants to go after him, he can just sit in that perfect pocket. If they don't and he outbreaks them, I see no reason why he can't take this field a very long way. And what I want to show real quick, and then we'll go to the last race, the Pennsylvania Derby. Okay, this was off a long layoff, guys. But look how hard he had to be asked early. He broke from the 11 hole, and I don't blame the jock for doing this, guys, but he had to – let me go a little bit forward here. Uh, He had to be asked very hard, very aggressively from the outside, and I know he faded late, but this is not – he breaks well. He always breaks well, but look at at how hard the jock is shoving, guys, and he had to. This is simplification, a horse that I know you liked, Paul, a bit in the Breeders' Cup mile – 
and then Zandon. I mean, these are nice horses inside. And he had to ask really hard guys to clear that first turn. We don't need to watch anything else other than that. My point here, guys, is I think that took some steam out of him coming off the layoff. He's going to be a higher price than mind control. He's going to be a higher price than Zanon for sure. Um, so I'm going to go with a middling price uh, because Zanon's going to have to come a little further back. I don't know if it's going to work out, guys. I think it's interesting. Last thing, uh, Paul, we didn't even talk about get her number. Do you want to mention very quick, this horse for Peter Miller, I know, was it Kyle or someone's got a stat. Peter Miller is not good shipping across the country, and he's doing it in two weeks. Lay it on us, Kyle. Good. You looked it up. Yep. And uh, in 11 days. And I actually, I really liked him that day. But with for Peter Miller for domestic shippers to the New York circuit in the last five years, a good old one for 27 hmm. starts. So a Pete stat to drop the mic on you a little bit. I had a one for 15 in grade one dirt routes. There's a, he had all kind of negative ones when I was looking at him. So yeah, that was, I, I, I had yeah. that one, I think in, in third, but that was more because I just think mm-hmm. it's a pretty quality horse yeah. and yeah. to hit the board, you could do that. But the show beat a very nice. That was really a, like a stake field that he beat Absolutely. last time. It but was a good field. For Mid and Kingdom. That was a big effort, but I can't imagine this was the plan guys. Pete, did you, have you read anything? Do we know if like, Peter Miller was, that was a prep for this one? That just would surprise me. I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't see anything. But yeah, it is. Right. It is sort of an odd. It is yeah. a, sort of an it's odd choice. But days. it is sort. It, the one thing you think about though, it's not. It didn't come up strong. So if you're going to send for a yeah. big race, might as well do one here and, and try and take a shot in in this field that didn't come up super deep. So so yeah. why not? Guys, Gary Bobber, you know, Gary Bobber obviously runs a lot on the East Coast, usually with Mark Cassie. He runs with other guys in California. But, you know, he, he typically, you know, uh, picks picks the right spots. <laughs> so um, it was guys, interesting, though, to see. Sorry, Howard, I was just say interesting to see two sort of triple crown horses cutting back to where maybe during the triple crown, we thought that the cutback would be best for them. And now they're finally doing it. So I always enjoy when that happens to see if it is true and to see if they do sort of step up and run better. And I do like they rested him up for this spot. So this is not like they, they weren't, they were never really planning going to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, They were, they planned for this spot, which sort of leads me to believe he's going to fire huge guys. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to win Zandon, but I'll I'll take a stab with White of Barrio. Uh, Last race guys, real quick, real quick, just your top horse. Uh, this is a starter allowance, 57 furlongs, closes out the pick five. You see it's a nine-horse field. You see on the screen, uh, Kyle, what you – Kyle, uh, you're the only one that's going to three, Kyle. Uh, be the boss for Walder and uh, Castellano. And, ooh, Kyle's eating chalk again. It's crazy. <laughs> but, um, no, I really like that race, too, back at Aqueduct. I mean, yeah. with Jose Ortiz, uh, I mean, guy gets to Castellano, who rode him last time in a much tougher spot than it was last time. Hopefully you can just get the right trip. I'm didn't see too much speed in this race, which is what really led me to this horse. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully we get a decent price, but this one is also a spread for me in the pick five. Uh, Paul has finally come to his senses and going with me here. (laughs) And we are both going with the number five major spin. Um, I'm assuming Paul, the, uh, quote-unquote, Rudy juice needs to be flowing. At least that's part of my reasoning here. (laughs) Well, not only is Rudy 22% off the claim, but if you look at the owner of this horse, Rudy claimed this horse for himself. (laughs) And then you can look at the stats with Rudy and Saez, 33% (laughs) the last two years, uh, uh, 
33% at Aqueduct, 24% overall. Uh, you know, and to Kyle's point about the race not being fast, uh, you you won't have to look too far to see where this horse is. This horse will be mm-hmm. on or near the lead right away. Yeah, this hey, is usually – Paul, this is usually the kind of horse I don't like in, except for the claim. The claim, and th- th- this smells like a horse that's just going to run a big number out of nowhere to me. And I'm, I'm not saying – for the record, I'm not saying Rudy does anything nefarious. It's just some. Yeah, it's a high percentage move. It's a high percentage, it's a high percentage move. move, and he owns the horse now. So, right. uh, Pete, you're going with the uh, seven to close out the show here. Yeah, I was just going to say on that five, I actually had even Rodriguez at a 29% in first after the claim in dirt sprints at Aqueduct. So it was even a little bit higher, 64 in the money. So yeah. so one right there. Yeah, the I didn't like this race. I didn't like anyone specific. So the seven at a bit of a price, if he runs that race that he popped two back, that probably can beat this field pretty easily moved into this class and ran pretty poorly. So I, I didn't necessarily love that. The one thing I did like, I had a stat with the uh, Engelhart Dylan Davis combo was 31% wins 52% in the money in dirt sprints. So I thought maybe with, with Davis picking this horse up, they have a good combination. You're getting a price in a field that isn't, that doesn't have a standout. I'd rather take a shot with something like that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we bring on, we're going to bring on Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse in about five minutes, everyone. So we look forward to having Jim in his final appearance with us for the calendar year, uh, which is sad, but we're going to be talking about Hawthorne here in just a few minutes. Let's go to our pick fives, guys. Pete will have you go first on the bottom of the screen. He's got two, three with two, with two, three, seven, eight, ten, with two, seven. With three five seven, a nice affordable thirty bucks, and in the feature you're going to go with Zandon and Mind Control. Use both of them. Yeah, and in the first leg, I probably would only go only go with the three Julia Shining, but I, I sort of I like the two as well, so I would definitely back. So I just wanted to mention the two on here where I went a little bit deeper, but you can even get this sure. ticket a lot cheaper. I single Tuskegee Airmen in the second leg. I do like some other horses, but. I think you can single that one. And then if you're doing sort of an ABC, maybe you can, you can back them up and then went a little bit deep. Like we talked about, I thought that third leg was just really tough. And then Zandon and mind control again, top two choices. So not the best maybe economically, but those were the two for sort of a little bit of a caveman. I like, Mm -hmm. and then the last leg, I just, you know, I stuck with the three, the three that I like, Uh, I think it was one of the ones we or two of the ones we talked about plus mine. So I think we're all on, on similar pages there. Okay. Um, Paul, I'm having trouble finding your pick five. Did you, you sent a pick five. Did you send it? Oh, wait, not available due to budget constraints. <laughs> Paul, what? Did you send me a ticket over 50? <laughs> oh, no. Paul, what I love happened? It, Paul. I love it, Paul. Wait a minute. Pete and Kyle both agreed to loan me two dollars to get to fifty-four. Hey, I got twenty left, Paul. So you can you can All right, Paul. Oh, enough with the jokes. There it is, Paul. I got it for you. Paul's Jesus. fifty-four. You always gotta go over the freaking fifty dollars. Paul's we gotta save money for all of our holiday presents, though, Paul. Three, five, so, six. Three five six with two four six with three seven ten with two with two three four five. The rich guy in the group is singling Zandon. That's all right, Paul. We'll give you the extra four bucks. Go ahead. 
Well, I think this is this sequence is the poster child for ABC, right? Because obviously, in those first two legs, I would not give equal weight to the five and six as the three or the four and six as the two. Uh, I think you have to find a way to hit this without all three of them winning, Julia Shining, Tuskegee, Emin, and Zander, because if it does, you might not get the 54 back, and that would put me under great derision from Uncle Cheap Howard. Uh, so I, I'm hoping I would just kind of hope, hopefully get uh, one of those other A's and throw in a few other A's and get some in and then obviously punch the A ticket several times on my own dime, not on cheap Uncle Howard's dime. By the way, Paul, hey, Paul, Paul I, since, it's, since, it's, your ticket, sir. since it's December, shouldn't we just call him Scrooge for the rest of the month? Just admitting for the yeah, yeah, Ebenezer, yeah. Uncle Ebenezer. Uncle Ebenezer, I like go. that. There we go. Kyle, I take a, man, I take a lot of incoming fire on this show. Um, hey man, I, I pick five it. guys, which is um, under under fifty dollars. Uh, yeah. Three with two four with three four five seven eight ten with two three with two three five nine. I'm going deeper in the middle leg and the last leg. If Julia Shine doesn't win, okay, then I just go to the pick four. Pretty simple, I think. Strategy. We didn't talk about. Is it Arctic arrogance? I'm sorry for not bringing mm-hmm. up the name. Yeah, uh, it's going to take money. There's a New York bred in the Remsen that could absolutely wire the field. Uh, I, I like him. He was very game last time. Check out the four who we really gave short shrift in the Remsen, which we should not have done that. But the four is inching in that race. Um, so anyway, that's my ticket. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to go uh, two, three, and I'm not. I'm not using mind control on this ticket, but I'm using them, of course, on a backup. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have a lot of fun with you guys tonight. As usual, we got Jim Miller waiting. Uh, we're going to see who's coming on Saturday with me live. Do we know yet for sure? You want to say on air? I'll be on. Yeah, I should be on in and out. Paul, on. you are not, though. Okay? You're busy. Okay, he's refereeing. Paul, but Pete <laughs> and Kyle, you'll be here live with us Saturday, right? Yep. Yep. Awesome. That, that's 2.30 to 4.00. Eastern Saturn time. So Guys, let's no one bring wants on my pick uh, five, but it's okay. No, I'm fine. Oh, what about Kyle's pick five? Oh, what did I do? Oh, my God. No, it's okay. Well, it's okay. It's fine. Thanks, Uncle no, Ebenezer. It's not okay. <laughs> Uncle Ebenezer. Wait a second. I am so sorry, Kyle. Wow. No. We, we got no so much laughter out of the issue with Paul. That Kyle was the only pick. one. That was the only one the fans probably wanted, and they didn't That's want That's right, Pete. Right, they don't want us, Pete. They, don't want, but they, just want, they just want chalk, 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 chalk. Of course. Chalk. That's, true. Uh, That's true. Three with two, four, six, seven, with three, four, seven, ten, with two, with two, three, five, seven. 32 bucks. Sorry, Kyle, real quick. No, you're fine. To hammer the chalk is always like, you know, I always do. <laughs> but Tuskegee Airmen, just that last race, again, goofy. So I'm going to try, if I can beat one of them, that's the one I think I'm going to beat. So I'm going to go deep in that leg and then deep in the go for one and the last allowance race. But just hammer Julia Shining, hammer Zandon. If they don't win, so be it. Perfect, guys. Jim Miller, we're going to bring you on right now. Let's say hi to Jim Miller with our other co-host, Jim. Got it. Listen, horse racing's got to be fun, right? You can't if you can't give the guy next to you a little jabbing. What what the hell are we doing here, right? Right, Jim. Poor, poor guy wants to spend four extra bucks. We're, we're three weeks. <laughs> right, Jim. Come on. See, this is what we deal with, Jim, on a weekly basis. Brutal. Brutal. Jim, this is why. Jim, this is why we need more sponsorship money so we can afford to <laughs> yeah. play these high tickets, man. What's That's where we're going, Pete. That good, good call there, Pete. There I, go. I, I'm going to throw four bucks in on Hawthorne's behalf just so there, Paul there can play. Go. There we go. <laughs> All right, Jim. <laughs> All right, uh, Paul, Pete, and Kyle. Thanks a lot. We'll see two of you on Saturday. Have a great night, guys. Take Thank care. you. Thanks. See you. All everybody. right. Bye bye. All right. 
Jim, yes, uh, how's your Thanksgiving, sir? Thanks for being patient. Um, it was awesome because we just chilled at home. So it was great. Watched Terrific. football, didn't get out of our pajamas, took it easy. It was a beautiful day. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, hanging out with the family, took the dogs for a walk. It was very nice. How about yours? Mine was great. I was with my brother, had a very nice time. And once again, Mother Nature, what was like 50 degrees, yeah. 50, mid-50s on Thanksgiving here in the Chicago area. It was great. Uh, again, we got Jim Miller here from Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, we got a few things I want to talk about. We're going to very briefly, I'm going to show the results of the Hawthorne contest that we promoted very highly. You can talk about some of the numbers that we had. I think it was very well received. Yeah. Uh, I had a nice conversation with Emily Gullickson several times. Thought she knocked it out of the park, by the way, on your YouTube channel. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the uh, results, Jim, of the Hawthorne contest. Feel free to make any quick comments you'd like. Let me go ahead and bring that up. Some familiar names to this show uh, did very well for very good reasons. And I can tell you some of the specific plays. I don't know if you heard or you know, but Jim, let's go ahead and bring up the uh, screen here. This was, let me make this a bigger. The Mustaris made their presence known right away on Friday with Justin, of course, the NHC champ from uh, 2020 winning and Jeff Mustari finishing second. And here's the cool thing about it. When you talk about these contests and we talked about it time and again, Howard, they're good contests. They're popular contests. But look at the top, the amount of entries, 163 entries for a $300 contest. That's a yeah. lot of people involved in this contest, so it's not easy to win by any means. And Justin Mustari got the job done. And as we mentioned, typically it takes about, say, eight to ten times your starting bankroll to win these contests. And that's what we saw, 2,900, 2,500 were the winning numbers for those contests. But uh, the Mustaris are good. It's Justin. You see Jeff, Frank Mustari always does very well too. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's one of the things you see these names time and again at our contests. And that's impressive. And then Jordan Jane, a much bigger bankroll. Well, sorry, not a much bigger bankroll, but bigger scores. They start with 500 and, and another name that we know very well, uh, Jim Bennis, not only finishing second, but also finishing fifth with his two entries, Jim. This was Saturday. Think about that too for Jim Bennis. Again, another NHC champion. And this is a contest that's a $500 contest. So you think about Bennis's day overall, because again, you get to keep the money that you make on these bankrolls here, Howard. So he puts a thousand in for the contest, comes out of the contest with one NHC entry and then $12,000. That's a good day at the races, but that's the beauty of it all too. Jim always focuses typically on Southern California. And that's kind of been the thing that's been his forte He's an incredible trip note taker. He does so much homework on these races, but that's the great thing about these contests too. Being able to focus on the races where you do your best work and these guys really did very well. And that's the reason you saw some of these higher bankrolls, especially on Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday, uh, my good friend, friend of the show, yeah. uh, if, if you that. don't know about it, Matt Miller, who's already double qualified, crushes it out of the park. I'll tell everyone what he did. And we didn't mention also, Jim, that all these winners, if they can win, the NHC will get a million-dollar bonus. Matt Miller, almost $10,000 winning by more than $6,000 on Sunday. Think about this. So double qualified, still wanted to play in the contest, but yep. with good reason. He must have liked horses for sure. And, and I want you to talk about if you know, happen to know how he got to this bankroll, because I don't. But He's a guy that you're playing right there for that million-dollar bonus. He's going in for that shot. He's going for the million dollars. 
You've seen so many players come out of our contest and have so much success. Do you know what the bet was, Howard? Do you know how we got to nearly 10,000? I'll tell you the story very quick. First of all, uh, myself, Kyle Roscoe, who was just on the show, and Matt, we all played on Sunday. I played on Friday also. I feel wondering, Howard, where, where are you at the top of the leaderboard? Well, let me ask you. I want, I want to I, ask you because you loved Proxy. I know you I loved did. Proxy. When Proxy won, I was expecting to see uh, you vaulting, vaulting up the standings. Jim, here's what happened very briefly. I did love Proxy. I played a big double with three horses into Proxy. Neither one of them won in the previous race. I liked the first-time starter after the Proxy race. In fact, I talked about the first-time starter at Churchill in the last race on this show, but it was like a solid allowance race versus a maiden claimer first-time starter. I just decided to play the double on the wrong end. They were wondering, Howard, why didn't you have like a big win bet on Proxy? I did have a win bet on the side in Proxy, yeah. but I thought for contest purposes, I'd be better off playing the double. Listen, it just it just didn't work out, man. The same thing happened to me in the Breeders' Cup where I loved Victoria Road and couldn't pair him up with Cave Rock. These are things that happen. But Matt yeah. Miller, we all wanted to support Jim. No relation, by the way, everyone, to right. Jim. Uh, right. We all wanted to support the, the Hawthorne contest very much. So we all went. And Matt sort of on a whim halfway through there was like, you know what? I'm going to play. I mean, how often do you sit at the OTB and not bet, Jim? It's like impossible right. for a lot of people. He yeah. drops a 1,000, Jim. And I swear, this is what happened. He looked at Sanita, did not looked at the PPs for two minutes, saw a four to five shot in race two, then looked at the doubles in race three, saw Pratt was on one of the favorites, and he he spent a, both contests. He did big doubles with the four in race two at San Anita to three horses in the next race, did something on the side, literally spent five minutes handicapping. I'm not lying at all. Hits the double. That, that takes him to 5,000, and then put about 2,500 to win on a horse at Churchill. He asked Kyle and I, Kyle and Howard, who do you like? The three. Okay. 2,500 to win. There you go. It's an easy game, right? That's what happened, Jim. I'll tell you, though. Here's the thing about it. And and so often, Howard, when, when I'm handicapping, I will be a first impression handicapper. I'll go through a race. I'll get my first impressions. I'll put them down to paper. Then I'll step away and I'll come back and look again and see, okay, is there something that I maybe want to change from that or not? And oftentimes you don't. So if you can, just stick with your first impression. Don't overthink it. Don't try to dive too deep. Because if you do, you're finding ways for horses to win instead of just looking at the most logical horse to win. So, yeah, I, a lot of times first impression handicapping is what's going to guide you to winners, too. Jim, I think the moral of the story, and we'll, we'll go on, but it's an important <laughs> moral of the story. The the top players and the players that do well in these contests, they just fire. They don't try yeah. to you know work their way up gradually. They don't nickel and dime it. They say, you know what? I like my opinions. I'm going to go for it. And that's what they do. And I would encourage everyone, if you have the money, if you have the guts, if you have the wherewithal, just pound your strongest opinion. It didn't work out for me. That's okay. I was wrong. I can come on the show here live in a minute. But if I was right, I would have been, I would have won the contest or been in the top three. So I would highly recommend people don't nickel and dime their way up the leaderboard. But that's hard to do, Jim, because people want to bet all, all weekend, right? Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. I mean, you got to play with conviction. But a lot of your best tournament players, this is what happens. And there's going to be times that you bottom out and you end up with nothing. But there's going to be those times, too, where you're ending up with five, six, seven, nine thousand $9,000. So you take those opportunities. You only need to hit one or two to qualify for the NHC. So if you're a consistent contest player, that's going to happen. But you go out there, take those chances. Again, play with conviction. 
And if you can play with conviction and you have the means to do so, you can have these big days and, and you see really nice returns in all of our contests. Uh, Jim, we've got a nice pick four again, $25,000 guarantee. Before we show your pick five ticket, or excuse me, pick four ticket, we're not going to go through the PPs tonight, folks, because we wanted to discuss the contest and the strategy behind it. But let's quickly, I will show the PPs very briefly of race six. This is the Pat Whitworth debutante. You see, these are only Jim. I don't have picks, everyone. These are Jim's top picks. He's going nine, four, three. I'm going to go ahead and show up. Uh, the PPs right now. Jim, talk about this race just for a little bit. Yeah, so this is a race that a lot of these horses coming back from the Showtime Dub Stakes on November the 12th. So you get a little bit of a look at some of these. The interesting thing about the Showtime Dub was the four Cat Royale is the horse that took all the action in that race on debut. This horse was sent off at odds of six to five, ran a decent race there, showed speed, battled into the lane, ended up finishing third. The winner of that race comes back in here as well, Mom's Town. That's the nine horse here in the Pat Whitworth debutante. Comes from the barn of Larry Ravelli. The one note I want to make for you, Howard, you, you get into the month of December and E.T. Baird gets a little bit more selective about the mounts that he takes. So anything he rides, he must think he can win on. So he's aboard Mom's Town. Loveberry rode it last time out. But you're going to find this in some races Friday. You're going to find it throughout the entire month of December. E.T.'s had an illustrious career. He's getting a little bit later in his career. It's cold in Chicago. He doesn't want to ride the entire card anymore. He's going to go out there and ride the horses he thinks he can win on. So Mom's Town is my top pick. Cat Royale, I use second because the horse I figure is going to improve in that second start out. And then Joy Zella was a horse that ran a massive race, actually, in the Showtime Dem. Was 31-1 to in there. Was well back early on. But this was a horse that was full of run late. The key to Joyzella is this. This is a big rider change. You're going from a bug rider who didn't get the bug, of course, in the stake in Brian Rivera to Javier Tavares, who, for those that know Chicago racing, he's ridden this Hawthorne track like Tim Thornton rode it for years over the course of the last two weeks. Ground-saving trips, patient through the turn, wait, 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 and then go through on the rail and win, and it's paid off for him time and again and again. So watch out for Joyzella at a little bit of a price as well. Yeah, these Illinois breads deserve some credit and some purse money. And they, this the winner's going to get, you know, what, 30000 here, which is a nice purse. And, and then probably rest up, I would assume, for the for yep. the spring, many of these, unless they're really talented and maybe they'll send them uh, somewhere else. But there is also one more. The Jim Edgar is next weekend, I believe, correct? Yep, yep. Right? Jim Edgar is next weekend for the boys. So you're going to see yep. a lot of those horses that are coming back out of the powerless stakes too. So you will see some of that uh, coming back next week. But they're, the boys, I think, are a little bit stronger group than the girls, but I think that's part of the reason why this field for the Pat Whitworth is a larger field, too, because there's no standout horse that's just dominant in this division. Jim, let's show everyone your pick four ticket. I'll put it on the screen. Again, we're not going to show all the PPs, but we have a lot of people that, uh, if they're not interested in Hawthorne on Fridays or any day of the week, but especially Fridays, they should be. Go ahead and walk by your very yep. inexpensive holiday special <laughs> $20 ticket with the all ball yeah. in the last leg. I love it. And two singles. Wow. What an interesting play here. You know what? When you when you look at the races, it, don't go too deep if you're going to find a standout winner. So in race number five, a horse by the name of Wild Fox is coming out of a 13-5 claimer where the horse was competitive, dropping into a beaten five. The connections are notorious for dropping these horses in to get them starter eligible. So they want to slide through, get in for the $5,000 tag, and then be starter eligible for the next two years. That's the move with Wild Fox. I think they're dropping in to win in there. 
Race six, you have the one highbrow. This is a horse that was reclaimed into the Ravelli barn last time out. They were in for the waiver claim in that last out. So the horse wasn't exposed there for the 12-5. Won that race off a six-month rest. Steps up in class. Gets pace to chase. And this is one of those horses that E.T. is riding. So again, like I mentioned with the stake, if Barrett's sticking on a horse, you want to stick with that horse there. Race number seven is interesting. You go four deep in that spot. Chris Block has two horses that were turf stake horses. And we talked about this earlier on in the fall, Howard. These horses that come out of stakes and do allowance races, sometimes you can beat them and they take all this action. There's a chance to beat them in here. Carl Broberg has the eight, Galib the Great, who's coming in off the claim, who should be tough. And hey, if you get to the finale then, pray for a price. I think you can get a price. It's a 10-horse field in the finale. Eight of the 10 have won over this Hawthorne track. The horse that's going to go off as the favorite is one of the two that has not won at Hawthorne. I'm not saying it can't win, but I'm saying there's a potential for a price there, Howard. So for a $20 ticket, if you have the all button in the last, you have a good chance that you're going to make some decent money. I mean, I love the all ball in the last race. It's such, I, I don't do it too often, but th- there are very few feelings in horse racing when yeah. you play a horizontal gym and you have the all ball in the last. Of course, usually with my luck, the chalk wins, but that's the second most frustrating thing probably in horse racing because we don't want that to happen. But I love looking at the will pays, right? You look at the will pays and you got exactly. all and you find that big bomb. And you, that's usually a four figure score or whatever. And uh, that's always very exciting to get that. Uh, Jim, let me bring up one banner here as we close out the show. It's our final banner. Uh, Jim, I want to say this publicly because this is our last time together this year. I have thoroughly enjoyed um, our conversations the last two months. I want to greatly thank yourself and everyone at Hawthorne, uh, Dakota, Rhonda, Greg, uh, the whole gang at Hawthorne who's done a wonderful job and give us the opportunity to sponsor you guys the next two months. Um, I'm really hoping that we can continue our relationship into 2023 with sponsorship and bringing more uh, light to all the wonderful things that's going on Hawthorne. I know there's bigger and better things to come, hopefully with the casino construction and more open stake races coming back to Hawthorne. Jim, when does the 2023 uh, season start? And what are you looking forward to most to 2023 at Hawthorne? Although I know you guys still have a little bit left to go this meet. You know what? There's a couple of things I'm looking forward to. Uh, Amaya and Howard at at Hawthorne, we have raced live. December will be our 22nd consecutive month of live racing between thoroughbred and standard bred racing. I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks off because there's no breaks in between. Because for me, whenever there's a break, it it involves a track conversion and it involves more horses coming in and out. So we're always dealing with that. So a little bit of a break is going to be nice. The other thing that's going to be really interesting is the racing schedule for us in 2023 because there isn't Arlington Park anymore. This summer, we didn't have a summer thoroughbred meet in Chicago. You're going to get that next year at Hawthorne as it's going to be thoroughbred racing from March all the way through well into September. So it'll be a summer harness season or a summer, excuse me, thoroughbred season at Hawthorne, a summer turf season at Hawthorne too. And I think that what that's going to do is retain a lot of the horses here in the Illinois area. And that's something that you'd always have them go in and out. Some would head south and maybe they don't come back. A lot of these horsemen are going to stay. We've seen a lot of Minnesota bred horsemen who are going to now stay all the way up till maybe Canterbury starts. Some of these other guys are just going to stay. Ravelli will be there. Chris Block will be there. Brittany Vandenberg will be there. It's one of those where it's good, solid outfits. And I'll tell you, as things get rolling, once they get rolling with casino construction, there's going to be a lot of excitement. 
there's going to be a lot of people saying, hey, you know what that is going to mean? More purse money. It's going to mean more racism, like you mentioned. Open stakes. You get the Illinois Derby back. You get the Hawthorne Gold Cup back. That's all the kind of stuff that we're looking forward to in the future. So we're very excited about that. But I'm really excited just about consistency here for racing to know that we're going to have thoroughbreds from March all the way through September is something that really excites me. I love thoroughbred racing in Illinois. I love turf racing too. And the fact that now instead of trying to squeeze as much as you can into six weeks, you know that we're basically going to have four to five months of races on the grass. It's a high quality race and it really is a lot of fun. Jim, what are you going to be doing with your time off? I mean, there, there's some, there's a break here. I don't think there's any baseball umpiring going on in January and February in Chicago, unless you got some indoor gig going on. I, I coach baseball. So I coach my son's team. He's a, a, on a 16 U team. So I do coach them. Um, then what I do part, part of one of my many jobs is I'm going to be hitting the road. I'm going to be traveling, trying to hustle up business for horses. So I'll be heading down to new Orleans. I'll be heading to Oakland park. I'll be going down, probably down to Tampa. I'll be going just wherever I can to try to get some horses back and try to get as many as we can back in Illinois and then retain them in Illinois. And there's different ways of doing it. You have condition books in hands. You have races that you want to offer. You listen to the horsemen, but it's kind of a lost art, I think, in racing just because of technology and everything, too. People don't talk to anybody else face-to-face -face anymore. So that's one thing that I really like to do. I like to go see these horsemen in person, have a condition book in hand, have a stall app in hand, ask them questions, see what we can do for them. So I'm sure I'll be hitting the road and uh, making some travels, and uh, hopefully I can catch some big race days around the country before we start back in March. There is no better spokesman for Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicago's hometown track, than the wonderful Jim Miller. Jim, it's been a real pleasure. We've literally had thousands of people watch these segments over the next two months. I'm going to send you and some other people some specific uh, analytics awesome. so you can see what's happened. I know we've helped increase handle and bring attention to Hawthorne. Appreciate your friendship, man. Love to have a beverage with you sometime as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch. We got some time for that. Jim Miller. Thanks again, sir. Good luck. The rest of the Hawthorne meet. Take care and happy holidays. Most importantly to you and your family. And the same to you, Howard, and to the whole crew. Everybody's absolutely awesome. I love watching everybody, following them on Twitter and everything, and watching your shows. You're doing an awesome job, my friend. Thanks a lot, Jim. We'll leave you as we leave you on, on screen here as we close it out. This has been episode 210 of the HHH Racing Podcast. For all my great co-hosts and contributors and the wonderful Jim Miller, this has been your host, Howard Kravitz. Good luck to everyone at Hawthorne at Del Mar, and especially at Akrock this Saturday. Join us live, 1.30 to 3 Chicago time, 2.30 to 4 Eastern time on Saturday for Cigar Mile Day. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hold oh, on, I got to find it. Don't go anywhere. Oh, all right, here we go. Goodbye. <laughs>